Welcome to Novum Organum, a podcast series from Uppsala University, produced live by researchers with an interest in interdisciplinary action and novel methods. In this podcast, you will meet guests who work in very diverse ways with academic knowledge production and often with expertise in its usefulness. From blue sky research to applied science, academic entrepreneurship or policy development. Today is our second episode with Matilda Arnkrantz, Minister of Higher Education and Research and representative of the Social Democratic Party in the Swedish Parliament. Matilda has long experience from political work in Swedish administration with a special interest in questions about equal rights to education and the importance of academic freedom. Welcome, Matilda. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Yes, and today we are talking via Zoom, uh, so we are not in the same room, which can be good to know for the listener. I would like to start by some questions about your profession and uh, why you think you got the job as Minister of Higher Education and Research. Well, it's the Prime Minister who picks, uh, in this case, his ministers. And I'm, of course, uh, honoured to to be able to serve as Minister uh, for now for higher higher education and research. And um, um, my guess is that I got uh, the question from the Prime Minister because I have a a very long um, um, experience in, in political leadership both from the from uh, being a member in the parliament where i'm uh, been chairing uh, committees as the committee on environment and, and agriculture but also the committee on education uh, and also being a political leader within my party i'm still uh, the chairman of of the of my political party uh, in in Örebro county for example and also a member of the party board so i think it is because i've shown that i can that I can um, bring uh, results and also uh, uh, also agreements that uh, that uh, needs cooperation because that's the case in in politics. You need to cooperate with others. Um, I was the one, for example, who um, uh, who uh, who brought about uh, the seven party agreement uh, in in the parliament when it comes to a new climate framework. Uh, so uh, uh, that's. Yes, just a little, little something that I have on my list uh, of a sort of achievements. So I think it's my long political uh, experience uh, uh, that uh, that got me this, got the prime minister to ask me uh, if I if I wanted to be to serve as a minister uh, on higher education research, mm. and um, and I said yes. Yeah, and were you surprised by this question, or when he asked? Were you surprised? I I I I felt prepared to be a minister since I've got such a long political experience. But of course, you're always surprised because it's it's not a question that you sort of expect because you know I know it's uh, a lot of things that need to be taken in account uh, when when the prime minister picks his government. So I was prepared, but uh, but a little bit surprised also because it's not something that I sort of. It, it wasn't something that I sort of expected. I just, I just did my work as best as best as best that I, as I could, uh, being a member of the parliament, and uh, and that's what I that was what I was focusing on at that time. Yeah, good. 
And uh, you mentioned here that you had been um, in various committees and seen then a lot mm. of questions regarding education pass by I, mm. uh, in these committees. And uh, how how is that now? Do you still work with these committees as a minister or what does your job entail, like the everyday job? Uh, the Committee on Education, uh, being a minister, uh, uh, as being a minister of higher education research, of course, I work very closely uh, with the parliament and with the Committee on Education. Uh, so, for example, the research bill I've recently put uh, to the parliament, it was the Committee on Education who uh, handled and also uh, debated it in, in the chambers in the parliament. So. Of course, that's a, a very close cooperation. And, and the research bill also, we negotiated the, the government and also with the, the Centre Party and the Liberal Party. So, uh, uh, and, 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 and in that case, it, it's their members in the parliament, in that committee who, who I negotiate with. Um, but it, when it comes to sort of my engagement, when it comes to environment and climate issues, it's uh, uh, both uh, both the both that kind of engagement, but also uh, uh, sort of uh, trying to build uh, a society based on uh, education or an economy based on education. It needs more uh, knowledge, uh, more research. So uh, to to be able to face uh, our societal challenges. So sort of the experience that I've got with me from, from my work in the parliament is absolutely something that I can uh, you get to use uh, in, in being a minister of higher education research, of course. Yeah, I see. And uh, what do you think is the most difficult or challenging part of your current uh, job and position now? I would say the challenging, uh, but also the most uh, fun with being a minister uh, often goes hand in hand. Um, you need, as a minister, try. To, you need to be on top of things. You need to plan ahead what kind of policy policy suggestions uh, you want to fulfill uh, during your sort of period as the minister, uh, which is uh, difficult, but also uh, very very fun. And right now, having the responsibility uh, of a department uh, which is accountable for a big sector, uh, which higher education and research is, with over 400,000 students and, and more than 75,000 employees. Of course, uh, that's a challenge uh, and, and it is difficult, but also fun. And, uh, I, can, uh, and I can see what, what, ama what an amazing work has been done and still is uh, from, from universities, uh, uh, from staff in, at the universities, but also uh, students, uh, when we now are continuing trying to to educate and keep on researching uh, through this pandemic. But uh, since more than a year, uh, it's it's on distance and and um, it's sort of nearly excluding remotely. So. Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, that's challenging, but also very impressive uh, work uh, being done by, mm. by the, the whole sector. Yes. So, so one thing is, of course, the 
particular circumstances we are under now and mm. then then mm. what what would a normal job as minister be and mm. if we then uh, take those two together uh, my sensation is that you have tried to be close to the academic community to go out and and visit researchers and um i think you visited some space um industry or something in up north in <laughs> Sweden quite recently with a face mask on. Um, what was that about? Of course, uh, during this pandemic, uh, most of the meetings, uh, they are digital uh, meetings, uh, uh, but um, sort of it is important uh, for me to, to keep on um, keep on having a very close contact uh, to uh, to the sector to students to uh, researchers to uh, um, different interests uh, who are who, who are uh, important for uh, for um, uh, important for uh, what we provide in our society higher education and and research uh, that's that's that is usually something uh, that take a very big part uh, of of my time being a minister when when we're not in a in a pandemic and we can travel a lot. But I'm trying to uh, to keep up that uh, in a digital way. And in some ways, it has actually been easier. It's been easier to have digital meetings, for example, with uh, uh, with uh, the uh, with universities and and uh, throughout uh, the country when when we can have a digital meeting um, for an hour or something uh, over Zoom instead of every every person every person that I wanted to meet from the university that they have to travel to, to Stockholm or that I have to travel to them. So in some way it's been easier to keep a close contact, but of course, um, the 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 visits on the ground uh, they 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 are very important and and I miss them and I'm looking forward to when we can do that again. It's been actually been through this. Of course, we have handled a lot of things and still are because we're in um, uh, because due to COVID nineteen. Uh, but I I early decided that some things we need to keep on working with, even though we're in the pandemic, uh, the research bill, for example, I wanted to put that on in place, uh, but also keep on giving more opportunities uh, uh, throughout the country for people to, to educate themselves and also keep on working with uh, sort of conditions within the academia uh, when it comes to, uh, to um, uh, for example, um, uh, your uh, your situations on on um, uh, for employees, uh, for example, but also when it comes to gender issues. Mm. Yes, um, thank you. So that leads us over to uh, the next theme. Matilda has led the work on the recently released government research bill titled "Research Freedom Future: Knowledge and Innovation for Sweden." The research bill has been applauded within the academic community for its increased focus on the importance of research and higher education, but has also been questioned in regards to why the concept of academic freedom needs to be so strongly emphasised, for the first time ever mentioned even in the title. So Matilda, why is the term freedom used for the first time in the recently released government research bill 
or what we say in Swedish, forskningspropositionen? Well, I think it's actually, maybe it's the first time it's mentioned in the title. I don't know that, but uh, it's, not, uh, it's not the first time that the term freedom is used in a research bill, far from it. Uh, all research bills, at least since early 1990s or something, have brought up uh, this topic. Uh, but it is true in this research bill we uh, uh, we proposed uh, and uh, the parliament also decided uh, on it uh, just uh, early, just uh, some weeks ago uh, we proposed an amendment to the higher education act which uh, sets out that the academic freedom is a general principle behind all activities when it comes to research as well as um, education Um, and I think it's because it's been missing in our legislation, and I think it adds uh, adds to and complement uh, the legislation and the constitutional protection which is already in place when it comes to freedom of research. And and uh, I believe, uh, also the Parliament believe, and and um, uh, all the work who's been done to 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 form this um, this bill. Uh, we believe it's it's necessary and important when academic freedom is is uh, actually threatened in many countries, in times when hatred uh, when we see hatred against researchers, but also we can see proposals from in our parliament in Sweden from uh, uh, from some party, uh, more one party than others, but uh, uh, on who actually sort of. Um, yeah, also threatens the academic freedom. So uh, yeah. that's why it's important, and that we that we give this uh, strong signal on academic freedom. Yes. So um, um, for the the research and academic community, I guess also that the notion of academic freedom is not thought about only as a juridical term but it's very understandable that uh, politicians who um, try to create laws and and protect the notion of academic freedom uh, do so and use it and and so on but it's um, it, it it becomes a bit um, interesting from our perspective to get the sense of what you see academic freedom uh, to be. So, um, in a sense, you see it as something that needs to be protected. huh? But, but what is it? Mm. What do you think it is we do when we enact our academic freedom? Well, academic freedom, it is the opportunity to seek and disseminate knowledge freely and to examine societal phenomena from a scientific perspective. And I think it's vital for our society. It secures the creation of knowledge. And as I said, in times of sort of propaganda and disinformation, this is of high, high importance. And, and we must remember that in Sweden, most higher education institutions are public bodies. Uh, in fact, uh, the higher uh, higher uh, education sector is the largest state sector in the country in terms of numbers of employees. So, of course, uh, when it comes to academic freedom, uh, also the management needs to prioritize academic freedom by promoting and safeguarding a culture 
of free knowledge, uh, um, uh, free knowledge production and, and dissemination. So I think it's sort of kind of a foundation that the higher education sector rests on uh, and also of great importance for, for society and democracy itself. Uh, but of course, when it comes to academic freedom and freedom of research, it's it's uh, it's something that uh, that uh, also is conducted um, within uh, within a sort of a responsible for each other. Uh, so so you you in in my perspective, you're not supposed to use academic freedom to something that you sort of to shield yourself from behaving badly or hate or hate or hate on another researcher or behave badly mm. you you need to use your academic freedom and your freedom of research with a, with a, with a sound common sense and and mm. a responsibility uh, being a part of the rest of the society but it's i think yeah. it's it's an important ground foundation uh, for higher education yes it is and and you do say that uh, it's been used before frequently in the research bills, but still it's the first time it's put in the title. Mm. And mm. Uh, some academics have also questioned a bit so um, that the uh, increased investments in research that you actually do uh, stipulate in this research bill are somehow balanced up by this mentioning of freedom in the title so somehow they steer they see the steering of the investment in research as um, more rigid and the you are telling what we should do with the money uh, mm. and then there's lots of talk about freedom um, what do you think uh, how do academics um, relate to this balancing act do you think in in my perspective, in my point of view, we are actually within this uh, within this uh, research bill that the Parliament now have have um, uh, decided on. We are actually uh, trying to meet um, uh, meet um, the sector's uh, wishes on uh, more of long term uh, steering, if you call it that, uh, and uh, uh, and also more specific um, uh, according to that different universities that uh, have sort of different uh, challenges some of them are common but uh, but uh, the uh, universities uh, are uh, we have a we have a very broad uh, spectra of universities in sweden bigger smaller broader more narrow so on so in my point of view we actually now put forward a research bill who tries to work not not try to work in 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 a more long term uh, way pinpointing that we uh, we want to steer sort of in four year cycles instead of only one year uh, we are addressing uh, when it comes to research bill we are addressing five societal challenges which we share with the eu and uh, and other um, other bodies. Uh, so we are, I think we are we are trying to uh, to um, to meet uh, meet uh, sort of the sector's wishes on on more long term sort of steering. But also as as uh, as you can see, we also stand very strongly on academic freedom and and freedom freedom on, on research. Uh, 
Mm. But but you also have to bear in mind that uh, higher education institutions are a part of the society and play key roles in in in, in the knowledge economy. So uh, it's important that we uh, that. It, they play a very important role in our society mm. and, and uh, out of that you also need to uh, to try to balance this in in uh, in a good way we are not we are not solving everything in this uh, research build but i think we are trying trying to balance it and uh, listen to different interests in yeah. the sector and try to balance it yeah. so if we think about the university and the researchers to be there to deliver some sort of value for society based on academic freedom. Um, do you think then that universities look very different and academic freedom looks very different depending on where we are in the world? So um, the universities in Sweden will be quite affected uh, by this research bill. Um, well, but we have to remember when it comes to academic freedom uh, it's it, it sort of our our neighbor countries like finland and norway they have a similar legislation already in place when it comes to academic freedom so uh, one of the reasons that we actually uh, propose and also now the parliament has decided on this amendment amendment when it comes to academic freedom it's because it was missing in our legislation uh, so I think that's important to say, uh, but also um, also want to say that uh, uh, I also want to say that I think we need to um, uh, yeah I also want to say that we have to be very very careful and I've I've been saying it a lot I, I said it I think um, I, I think it, I said it in 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 the parliament uh, when we debated this research bill as well we. I believe in the Swedish research community, and it is in and it, it is sort of the this, uh, the the research community who decides on what is science, what is uh, a science subject. Uh, it's not politicians who do that. That we have that within the research uh, community uh, mm. to decide on that uh, based on on. Um, on the scientific method uh, as a solid ground, for yeah. example. Yeah. So uh, I think we have to be very, very clear on that. Yes. But in a way, one could see then that uh, the Nordic uh, universities may be founded on a bit similar view on academic freedom and how that's connected then to societal problems uh, and and so on as this um, <coughs> a bit of a service provider I hear you speak about us at the university <laughs> um, good so that was actually one of my questions also that we have been talking about that in Finland and, and Norway uh, mm -hmm. academic freedom has been protected as some sort of principle and I wasn't sure of the difference here to, to Sweden but it's good you clarify now that you have taken this question even further Le Juridically, mm. then, that was what you said, yeah. Well, we we know that we have similar legislation. If it's exactly the same, uh, it's it, I, we have a we have sort of uh, 
we have um, adjusted our proposal to the parliament out of our Swedish uh, sort of context. Uh, but uh, when we work this through, we know that, and we have also looked on uh, how it is, um, uh, how it is sort of proposed or uh, described in in both Finland and Norway. But we put our research goal with with our Swedish context uh, uh, and our perspective uh, on, on sort of first. Mm. Um, do you know how this looks in in the rest of Europe? Uh, how its academic freedom is protected there? I can only say that uh, one of the uh, reasons uh, when we say that uh, uh, we need to protect academic freedom, it, it is because uh, we know that in, in, in different European countries, uh, like uh, Hungary, for example, uh, uh, the, the government in ha Hungary has ac attacked academic freedom and uh, different um, scientific, dis scientific disciplines. And that is uh, what uh, what sort of the uh, state inquiry that we we have sort of as, as a solid base uh, uh, when we when we started this work. That is what they uh, pinpointed that they were worried about this um, uh, development uh, in different uh, countries within EU uh, when it comes to academic freedom. So that is why they proposed uh, to uh, the government uh, that we need to safeguard academic freedom in our mm. legislation as well. So that is um, that uh, yeah. that has been one of the reasons on why we we now um, we now have it in in mm. uh, in our legislation. Mm. Thank you very much. <laughs> With a background from a non-academic family, Matilda still chose to pursue higher education in sociology and political science at Örebro University, a young Swedish academic institution. During this time, it was important for her to feel that she fitted in, despite her background, and she soon discovered the merits of the Swedish academic system and that it was relatively inclusive. Nevertheless, such an ideal of equality and inclusiveness both in education and research, is something she continuously has felt a need to secure. So, Matilda, you have not only spoken about equality in the abstract, but you have also allocated special funds to the social sciences and humanities for increasing teacher-led time. Uh, why? Well, that's co correct. In, two, uh, in 2016, uh, the government launched uh, a quality initiative uh, for, for the teacher education programs and programs in the humanities and social uh, sciences. Uh, and the funding uh, is for quality improving measures and, and, and especially more teacher-led time for the students. Uh, and uh, it, it is to improve improve the quality, uh, and uh, and also to um, uh, to get more students to uh, to gain as much as, as they can uh, uh, out of their education, and also sort of finish uh, and uh, be uh, be prepared to take uh, work in this in this sense, being sort of ready to teach in our schools. And I think it's um, it's. Um, it's very easy to see uh, that more teacher-led time 
is uh, something that makes it easier for students uh, to actually um, to actually get through it, it, the the education program that you have chosen. Yes. Yeah, so so the idea being that uh, those who come from uh, backgrounds which are less used to studying, uh, they need more teacher-led time. Is is that it? I think I think it's uh, good for uh, <laughs> every student. We teach more teacher-led time, uh, but of course, uh, it's uh, I think it's uh, even more important if you come from um, uh, from a family or a, a home where you you don't have a tradition on or on or or, uh, or any role model or 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 anything like that in your. Uh, in your near surroundings that can help you uh, navigate uh, in the academic world. Mm. Uh, so it's and but of course it's not only sort of the, the quality of a program uh, there and the um, students' um, uh, ability to to uh, uh, to um, uh, finish the program. It's not only it's uh, not only depended on sort of the number of teacher-led hours, but I think it's an, an important factor mm. uh, and can can have very positive effects on on student learning yeah. and, and also sort of completion rates, as I said, and, mm. and, and student commitment. Yeah. Well, we hope so. We kind of have chosen this job also to meet students and be with them and see them develop mm. and so on. And the more we are taken mm. out of, of that meeting with the student and... Uh, put to do uh, perhaps more classes and more mass production of of students the less we see them um so you have then increased some some funds to um give teachers time to meet students more and do this teacher led uh, mm. <laughs> uh having contact hours <laughs> but uh, you have also um asked a little bit you know how has this turned out in in practice and have you been able to follow up on the impacts of these investments that you have decided on uh, yes we have we sort of since 2020 these uh, it's it's also a permanent um, um, funding when it comes uh, to to uh, 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 to this kind of uh, sort of teacher-led um, activities, um, and we have before we made it permanent. Per permanent, uh, we did a follow-up uh, uh, with it was uh, our higher education authority uh, who who looked on that, and they could uh, uh, they could see uh, that it had had positive effects. Um, uh, of course, we we have to continue to monitor. The initiative closely, and I also expect that universities can take a further step to to sort of increase increase teacher-led time. And I think uh, maybe uh, now now we have uh, made some quite big digital progress uh, within uh, the academia. We we had to do because uh, due to the COVID nineteen. Uh, and all education on on distance, uh, and perhaps uh, when we when we have sort of pushed back the pandemic, and uh, when universities uh, can form um, 
can form their um, their um, uh, organization uh, after the pandemic. I think uh, we can use uh, the best of what we have learned when it comes to distance or digital meetings and perhaps uh, increase the, uh, the meetings that we need to have eye to eye and in person uh, and in more sort of uh, uh, active teacher-led time hopefully mm -hmm. i think so but we have we have done a follow-up uh, with uh, with our higher education authority uh, mm. on this matter yeah i i think also those um, follow-ups we always wonder a little bit how far one one goes uh, because we seldom get to report <laughs> anything to anyone mm. um, on what happens on the floor, actually, in this meeting with the students. Mm. So so for us, it's also about, OK, what type of pedagogics do we use in the classroom mm. so we can help mm. um, all the students, uh, the diversity mm. uh, in the classroom. Mm. Um, so mm. do, you, do you know anything about the type of pedagogic trends that these teachers use uh, when they do have <laughs> their increased contact hours in the sense that that seems also to be important to think about well the follow-up uh, was undertaken before the pandemic uh, but it shows that sort of 86 uh, percent of the departments they had increased increased their teacher-led time before the pandemic and 65 uh, uh, percent uh, had increased increased uh, teacher in smaller groups, uh, but also uh, nearly as many has used more web-based distance learning, but this was before the, before the pandemic. Um, uh, but, uh, but, we, but I'm thinking, as I said before, uh, when it, now we have this rapid digital transition, and uh, I think this might uh, facilitate the sort of the te digital teacher-led time uh, such as seminars or uh, recorded lectures and so on. But of course, uh, uh, there, uh, there, there is always a need to, to work with uh, the pedagogic and, uh, and uh, uh, how to meet different students. And I think it's even, even, I think it might be even more important when we, when we were sort of through this, uh, through this pandemic, mm. what we can learn, what we, what uh, out of this time, yeah. these times, but also what we can uh, do better uh, later on. Yeah. But the 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 um, the um, uh, 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 the education authority uh, they have they have sort of the government we have we have resigned we have sort of assigned them uh, to study the effects um, on the of the pandemic on okay. higher education and yeah. they and they report to us. Um, um, in, in sort of regularly, mm. uh, so uh, we know. So hopefully that will be a good. It's good for us to know, and if we need to take any measurements to to handle um, uh, different different areas uh, during this pandemic, but also yes. afterwards, it's it's yeah. good to have uh, sort of uh, the reports from from this authority. Yeah. Very good. Um, so if we turn our attention to gender equality within the research community, uh, there have been some debates about the recruitment of uh, the best brains and how you can secure their, that from a, you know, a political <laughs> position. 
and that we need to find these worldwide. And uh, all Swedish academic tenure positions are also advertised internationally. So this competition should should uh, be stimulated, so to say. Uh, but how do you think this affects gender equality if we think about it a bit broader in relation to the Swedish society um, where we have a private life, which in comparison to many other countries is a bit more gender equal, one could say. Um, and uh, we have a strong emphasis on, on working women. I mean, for us, it's taken for granted. So how how do you think this... Uh, works out in practice when we are to recruit the best brains to come here and and what are the potential clashes with gender equality well i think uh, I, I, I would I, I want to start off uh, by saying that i am very proud of the sort of strong swedish uh, welfare system that makes it possible for people especially to women women uh, to have both a career uh, and a family uh, when we look upon uh, sort of the right to, to daycare for, for kids, parental leave and, and uh, uh, more secure um, employment. And, and Sweden, we are in that way uh, better in, in comparison to other countries. Uh, but uh, still I focused uh, on how, how, we from, how we can improve uh, equality also within the academic world in general. Uh, I think that's an important issue uh, because we still still have a lot to do in in Sweden. Uh, if you look upon sort of it's uh, it's um, it's uh, still seventy percent of the professors uh, at the universities that are men, uh, and uh, I think we have to work together uh, in our different roles and different responsibilities uh, to, um, uh, to change this because uh, we, want to, uh, we want to use uh, the best brains <laughs> in, in, uh, in uh, research. And uh, we have sort of the government, we have uh, made some, uh, um, we, we, do, we, we try to sort of contribute in, in some ways. We need to have a better overview. Uh, so we have, uh, for example, we have given uh, the Higher Education Authority a mission to analyze sort of the recruitment process of all employments at universities. I think that uh, will be interesting and, and good to follow up. And we also, we would like to see a degree, a decrease uh, when it comes to uh, the amount of short time employees, because comparing to other sectors, it's quite high uh, when it comes to academia. Uh, so more people can, can get uh, sort of full time um, uh, employment. So this is something that the um, uh, Higher Education Authority uh, also sh will look over. Uh, and it's also quite common that you have uh, Sort of short time or project-based um, employments that that are stapled on top of on each other, which which give a, a very long time before you sort of get uh, a more safe employment. Mm. So, but we don't really know in 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 how big is it and how common is it. So this is something the authority also also shall shall, shall 
sort of look upon. Yeah. And, in, and we also have a, set up a, a goal in, in 2030 that uh, 50% of all newly hired professors should be women. And I think mm. this, this, this way of working with goals, but also with um, uh, sort of uh, reports and follow-ups and so on, I think that's I think uh, I think that is uh, a way to balance that we need to have better conditions, but mm. also uh, have um, also have a respect for uh, the uh, uh, the amount of um, of sort of freedom and and uh, uh, that the academia and and the university sort of the sector uh, has and mm. and and. So I think it's yeah. So this hmm. is something. So we we try to work uh, work with this in in this way. Yes. Uh, and I think it's uh, I think I think in in my point of view I think it's uh, sort of being good uh, at uh, handling sort of uh, uh, gender issues within our uh, society uh, brings a better life uh, for uh, the people that uh, are in it. Uh, but it also brings quality, and I think it attracts uh, other researchers to uh, to our country uh, because mm. it's not it's not uncommon that uh, if if you're a male professor and you uh, and you come to Sweden uh, for um, uh, for 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 continuing your uh, in your sort of research career. Uh, it's not uncommon that you have you bring uh, uh, your wife or, or your partner, and they also want they also are a part of sort of the academic world. And uh, if we can if we can handle a sort of uh, a good way to both uh, uh, both uh, people in a couple to keep on uh, their academic career in Sweden, I think that is something that actually attracts uh, people to Sweden. Yes, um, I think that's quite good words to to end this conversation mm. with. And maybe we could mm. also think about uh, what the best brain contains, uh, because it <laughs> could be the best brain on academic freedom, for example. That could be interesting. <laughs> so thank you so much, Matilda, for taking your time and, and talk to us here at Uppsala University. It was very valuable. Thank you very much uh, for for having me, and um, uh, uh, very good luck uh, with with uh, this kind of uh, of program also in the future. Future. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mm-hmm.